It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show, it's a Dallas Mavericks preview. So we're going to talk Dallas Mavericks. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. On this day in 2020, apropos to today's topic, Damian Lillard, he scored 61 points in a bubble victory over the Dallas Mavericks, who we are going to talk about today. Lillard dropped 60 this day two years ago in 2020. We're going to talk Dallas Mavericks. I'm going to bring on the host, one of the hosts of the Locked On uh, Mavericks podcast. He's also the head of the Locked On NBA channel. My boss, I guess. Yes, we'll see that. Maybe I have to be nice to him. We'll bring him in in a second. It is Nick Angstat. Let's get him in here right now. Nick, welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back with the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Josh Lloyd, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Now, I, I, I uh, yeah, preambled your entrance into this show by telling people that you were my boss, so I've got to be on my best behavior. <laughs> and I can't, can't, can't say any naughty words, and I can't say any bad things because you're here and you're, you're watching, <laughs> watching me so closely on this show. We're here, though, Nick, to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. Of course we are. That's what we're talking about because you host the Locked On Mavericks podcast and the way we start off doing all these shows is just a, a brief refresher of what happened in the offseason and the players that came in. JaVale McGee's there, of course. They just recently brought in Tyler Dorsey, I think, if anyone cares about yeah, that. Um, two-way. Yeah, yeah two-way do- guy, Tyler Dorsey, who struggled at every point in his NBA career. But, of course, the big move <laughs> coming in was uh, the crucifix. Christian Wood is here mm. and... We're going to touch on this a little bit later on in terms of his role, but what did you think of the price they paid to get Wood in? I didn't think it was that bad of a of a of a trade. I thought it was actually a good trade for the Mavericks. I mean, you you look at those players out, like all those players except for Moses Wright and Jalen Brunson went in the trade for yep. Christian Wood, and those were guys were all on expiring deals, and they got rid of all of them basically in just one fell swoop. They didn't give up any rotation players at all, and all they gave up was the like what the twenty sixth pick. And you, most of the time, you don't get a really good rotation player with that. And Christian Wood can be and probably will be a good rotation player with that move. They can extend him pretty early here in the season if they decide to. They can extend him later. You know, there's there's moves that can be made with Christian Wood. There's way more upside, I think, with Christian Wood. A little bit more of a 
of a established talent than a like a 26 pick would be. Yeah, and then the Rockets turned that 26 pick into pick 29, I think, and ended up with Ty Ty Washington. Um, yeah, through a convoluted set of moves that I'm sure somewhere involved the Grizzlies because they were involved in every single trade. It appears like in the picks between 20 and 30, but Houston ended up with Ty Ty Washington as an end result. Of that deal, getting Christian Wood in, and you mentioned yeah, all those guys, Chris Brown, Burke, Majanovic, those guys are all gone as part of that deal. Moses right? who knows, really. I'm sorry, Moses, if you're listening, oh. who, who cares? Jalen Brunson, though, that's the big one. Um, how has the Mavericks fandom, the Mavericks fan base, how have they reacted to the, the what seemed inevitable once free agency was beginning, departure of Jalen Brunson? Yeah, you, you had the Christian Wood trade that happened like even before the end of the finals. The Christian Wood trade had already happened. And then JaVale McGee gets signed. And then you're just waiting on Jalen Brunson, waiting on Jalen Brunson. And it just took the air, all the all the air from the Christian Wood move, the you know, the Jaden Hardy trade at the draft that was pretty interesting. Like that one was was a, a pretty like you know, a, a high, I guess a high upside type move. And like, okay, we're getting excited for this offseason. And then it just felt like the Jalen Brunson departure took all the air out of the room. Just all, just all of it. All the excitement from, look what he just did in the first round against the Jazz. The, okay, do the Mavericks finally have at least a, a, a like a, a competent player next to Luka Doncic? Maybe not a star level player, but like a competent, good player that can be relied on. He, has, he had played his entire career with the Mavericks. And so Mavs fans got really attached to Jalen Brunson. It was really tough to see him leave. And uh, we should have known, Josh. We should have known when he's going through his exit interviews and he has a jersey signed by every single player in in the organization uh, draped over his shoulder because he was getting them signed that day. I was like, ooh, he's not going to see any of these guys until he plays against them next. And uh, that should have been the sign. But yeah, it just really took all the air out of the room for Mavs fans. Wow, that's something we really need to look at. Jerseys and signatures on jerseys in exit day interviews. You're taking like, like internet sleuthing to the next level, Nick. <laughs> it's like signing a uh, yearbook at the at the last day of school. Wow. Right? All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to that. Any free agent in exit interviews at the end of this season, we're looking for signed jerseys anywhere yeah. in the vicinity, any memorabilia. If they're taking whatever they can out of the building, that's what we're really paying attention to to see where they're going to end up. So yeah, he's gone. Now, we can say whatever we want about it was inevitable. His dad was in New York, his godfather, his pseudo-dad, whatever. They were all in New York. Everyone was there, right? But was, it, was, there, was there any chance of him being re-signed by this team? Do you think the Mavericks didn't do enough to bring him back and say, like, we'll give you five years full max? Like, or is it just never going to happen regardless of what they offered? There was there was steps along the road, and we've done the the – going back and looking at, okay, what step in the process did the Mavericks mess up? And it seemed like before this, before last season, the Mavericks could have signed him to that, like, you know, four year, yeah, 56, 55, whatever, yeah. 56, yeah. $55 million deal extension. They could have signed him to, and they decided not to, which I don't really blame them for after the last season's playoffs, they were ousted against the Clippers in seven games and he got played off the floor. His minutes went from like 20 minutes a game, the first three games to 10 minutes a game, the last four games. And he just didn't look like he had it at that point and was looked like he was going to be slow to come along. And then he just really took a step forward. I think Jason Kidd was really good for him. And then he took that huge leap forward in the playoffs. That even when, the way that he played in the playoffs, he did not play that way during the regular season. I mean, he even took just a bigger leap forward. And they hadn't – they didn't do the extension at the trade deadline. They could have. They really tried to trade him. They shopped him a lot. And so they weren't able to figure out a move for him. They just kept him and then didn't sign him to that extension, and that's probably the second spot where they probably messed up. I don't think he would have signed that extension at that point 
during the season because it was lower than what he thought he was going to get the way that he had been playing that year. And uh, but but then you get to the offseason and hindsight is 2020. It just seems like it was inevitable he was going to go to New York. But if they had given him that five years, you know, full max deal, be hard to turn that kind of a deal down in Dallas playing next to Luca. But it seemed like he wanted a new challenge and wanted to go to a new place. Obviously, the familial ties of, you know, his dad, you know, (laughs) and their tampering relationship, whatever that (laughs) turns out to be. Um, And then the, you know, Leon Rose, Leon Rose was his agent when he was a rookie. He's the GM now of the of the Knicks. Uh, Jalen Brunson's agent right now is Leon Rose's son. Like there's so many connections over there for him. And so I think it was just a completely different experience he wanted to have. And uh, I don't know, Cuban said after the season, like, Oh, we can offer him more than anybody. And I don't know if that ever really happened. Yeah. It probably didn't make a difference anyway, but it's uh, it's interesting thing. And I'm sure Mavs fans will never think about that ever again, especially when the Knicks uh, (laughs) come to town, but the guy, look, we talk about Brunson and he didn't even, he wasn't even a starter at the start of the season because this guy was Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. And then he hurt his foot. So where are we at with, uh, with Timmy? Is he, is he fully ready to go? I think if he would have really pushed for it, he could have played in the playoffs. I think he was he was ready to come back then. Um, that was sort of the timetable. I think even you and I probably talked about it at yeah. a certain point. What, what was his timetable to come back? And uh, he could have probably pushed to play at the end of that playoff run in the Western Conference Finals, but they weren't going to bring him back the way that they had been playing. And so he's going to be ready for the, for the regular season. We've seen him working out. We've seen him. Um, yeah, he's just going to be ready to go from the start. He also didn't play well before his injury. He shot under 40% from the field, thirty under 34% from three. He averaged 14 points per game, but it was probably one of his worst regular seasons prior to the injury. And you would have to have some, I don't know if concern is, is the right word, about where Hardaway fits in coming off the, a broken foot and the way that the team was able to function better with a secondary point guard in the lineup. And that's obviously not him. So I, and we'll talk about this in a second. I actually, we'll talk about it right now. He's, we don't, or you don't expect, and I don't expect him to just jump straight back into that starting five. I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to start. And uh, Jason Kidd has said, you know, basically confirmed th- four fifths of the starting lineup. And so we're, uh, we're going off that Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to come off the bench and, yeah, Tim Hardaway, he didn't have as good of a season last season before the injury. But in the playoffs the year before, he was their second best player at he certain was. points. And he he averaged 17 points a game against the Clippers. Like, if he can get back to that point, and he had shot really well this two seasons before that, if he can get back to that point, he's still a really good uh, guy off the bench for the Mavericks. But it'll be interesting to see what his role is now. It will be interesting. And I went too early on this starting five. I'm going to get back to that in a second because I've got to tell you about BetOnline, Nick. I, I just I can't hold it in anymore. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league. Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, or even golf. And there is odds up there for NFL preseason. What's your NFL team, Nick? Oh, Bengals. I grew up in Cincinnati. Oh, that's right. You did too. So you are still dealing with the disappointment and the uh, the joy of making and losing the Super Bowl. So let's see. Who have the Bengals got 
preseason. The Cardinals, they're a two-point favorite if you go to betonline.net in the preseason game. So, yeah, how confident are you in the uh, in the Bengals' backups getting it done against the Cardinals' backups? <laughs> no Joe Burrow, I don't care. So it doesn't, doesn't matter to me. That is the right attitude for NBA or NFL or any preseason really at all. But if you want to do it, BetOnline's yeah. got all that information you need. The top online resource for all of your sports wagering information, live in-game betting scores and podcasts. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's go back to that starting five that we put up on the screen before. Doncic is in there. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be in there most likely, replacing Jalen Brunson. You've got Rigid Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, and JaVale McGee. And a lot of people will be going, hey, 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 where's Christian Wood? Where's Christian Wood? And... I would say a similar thing. Now, I wouldn't want Christian Wood playing the forward. It doesn't make a ton of sense. People say, we should be in there. He's better than JaVale. Why is Jason Kidd seemingly, I don't know, set on? But that's this is the word that's come out. We heard that from Tim Cato, reported that months ago. And it just seems to be the case that JaVale is going to start and Christian Wood is going to come off the bench. Why? Yeah, so yeah, so Jason Kidd at Summer League said that Dinwiddie and McGee were going to start, and that sort did, of yeah. when that's that's sort of when Mavs fans first started to go, hold on, wait, like who's going to be the other starters? That's either Bullock sitting or Wood sitting, and uh, then Tim Cato then reported that Reggie Bullock was going to be the fifth starter, assuming that Luca and Dorian were going to be the other starters. I think those are pretty safe to assume that, but I ha- this is my theory on this: is that so. The Lakers or the Mavericks run a very similar defense to the way that the Lakers ran their defense when Jason Kidd was there, when Sean Sweeney was there, when they had, um, you know, JaVale McGee and Anthony Davis. They run very similar principles. And the JaVale McGee is going to be better to run that from day one. They have to be a better defensive team. They got a little bit worse offensively, losing Jalen Brunson. So they got to be good defensively out the gate. I think they also. <laughs> promised JaVale McGee to start when they were bidding against the Bucks with him. And so that, they put a couple of incentives. They're like, all right, we'll give you the third year, we'll give you a player option. We'll give you the full taxpayer mid-level. And then we'll also, uh, we'll give you a starting spot. And so I think this is a little bit of a ceremonial, you know, like uh, negotiating tactics spot that they gave JaVale. And then my other thing, my theory about this is that Jason Kidd needs some benchmarks for Christian Wood. Christian Wood has not played uh, a big role on a winning team yet. And it's just a completely different culture than the team that he played with in Detroit, the team that he played with in Houston the last couple of years, besides like the five games he played with James Harden. And I think he needs some benchmarks. Like, all right, you play some defense for me, I'll get you in that starting lineup. You play some defense for me, I'll get you closing games. You play some defense for me, I'll get you, you know, all that. And then just keep moving up some benchmarks. And I think that's one of them. 
because Christian Wood needs to pull his head in, like as simple as that. Like part of the reason he wasn't drafted was off-court concerns. Part of the reason he bounced around from the Pelicans and the Sixers and the Bucks G League team was off-court concerns. Part of the reason that he was in debate to actually remain on the Pistons roster versus 52-year-old Joe Johnson was off, <laughs> off-court concerns. And then in Houston, he got suspended for, guess what, Nick? Off-court concerns. Like, it's just continual attitude issues with this bloke. So he's going to have to pull his head in. And there's always the issue. Then Jason Kidd might be able to do that. There's, there's you know, can't judge that yet. But this guy could be like, what am I doing coming off the bench? JaVale McGee's 35 years of age. I'm much better than him. That's a real problem that's going to have to be managed. But if they work it the right way, there can be success there. And Christian Wood's not a guy that you want to be your number one option. And fitting in this role might work out best for him but it's going to be really intriguing because there's a lot of combustibility with the way that he goes and obviously there's something there with JaVale as well when he's a 34 year old center who's never been a top level guy and you have to promise him a starting gig to get him to come like there's a little bit of something <laughs> there's a little bit of something happening with that as well and a contract that maybe may have been a little bit may have been a bit too much we'll, we'll see how that ends up going Josh I was told the Mavs should get free agents now they have Luca, Jason Kidd yeah. Nico Harrison I was told they should get free agents now. yeah Nico Harrison the uh, the king of relationships brings in 34 year old JaVale McGee oh, to promise as a, as a starter but we don't need to go through all of the Mavs uh, free agents how's Goran Dragic going we don't need to go through all of the Mavs uh, French and failures. Right in the heart. All right, let's go to your bench group. And it's a weird bench group because there's a lot of big men here. So Christian Wood, Muxy Kleber, and Dwight Powell, you'd say they're all in their best 10 players, but <laughs> their best position is all at the five. Muxy can play the four. Um, Dwight really can't. So how they work those guys in is going to be really intriguing. And then Tim Hardaway is going to have one of those other spots. And then... It's probably Frank Nilakina, who's a really good defensive guard, but it's a it's a weird mix. Josh Green, Davis Bertans, Jaden Hardy sort of sitting on the outside looking in to that group. But how they work out those minutes for those big men is going to be uh, quite a challenge, I think. It will be. I wouldn't be surprised if Dwight Powell is playing a lot less minutes and if Josh oh, yeah. Green is playing more. Like, if you switch those two guys, then maybe. But even that, I'm like... Not dead set on it, but we saw Dwight Powell as a starter all throughout the playoffs, even if it was a ceremonial start, still started, still played, you know, a lot, even though they added JaVale and Christian Wood, that uh, he's just a reliable guy for the Mavericks. Him and Luca play so well in the pick and roll that he does still have some utility. He was really good in the regular season last year. Like he's just a really good regular season player, but couldn't play against the Jazz, couldn't play against the Suns, couldn't play against the the Warriors. And eventually you're like, all right, we got to make some moves here and change it up. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Green getting a big role in the rotation because his extension is coming up soon and they got to know what they have in him and they don't really know that at this point. I know you don't know this at this point because two of these players I'm going to talk about haven't played for the team yet, but who is the best center on this team between JaVale McGee, Christian Wood, and Muxy Kleber? You, you got to hope it's Christian Wood, but it depends on what you want as a center. And I think that's what's what's actually fun and interesting about this team is they can give you a bunch of different looks now. They couldn't give you the look of, all right, let's give a big rim-protecting center. Now they have that in JaVale McGee, at least, a guy that can defend has defended the rim well, can rebound. They had a stretch five in Maxi Kleba, but he wasn't going to give you the role threat that Christian Wood is going to give you. And so he gives you that combo now. They only had Maxi that could space or Dwight that could roll. Now they have a combo of that. And so... I think Mavs fans hope that it's Christian Wood by the end of the season or even, you know, by the middle of the season. But yeah, I guess it's Christian Wood right now, even though he's coming off the bench. It probably is. Defensively, it's not. It's Muxy Kleber. No. I'm, I'm pretty certain it's Muxy Kleber is yeah. the best. Or well, he might be the best defender on this team. Just totally like Dorian Finney-Smith might have something to say about that. But Muxy's mm-hmm. a pretty bloody good defender out there. And uh, how they work those minutes in is going to be intriguing. There's a couple of younger guys. This team's not particularly young, but there are a couple of young guys on this team that we've mentioned Josh Green already, who... 
really, the shot's just not coming along. He's showing a little bit more with the ball, but not really. But let's talk more on Jaden Hardy. Can he crack into that rotation? Could he take, maybe if we're not, they're not going to run three centers off the bench and Dwight, How- Dwight Powell's gone out of there. Is Hardy's ability to create his own shot yeah, useful or is that just superfluous with Tim Hardaway there? Is his complete lack of efficiency through the G League and Summer League something that will probably keep him pinned to the bench for most of the season? Yeah, this is a developmental spot for Jaden Hardy, I think. He's got to really work with God, Sham God on ball handling. That's just going to be a big thing. If I don't see them working together, I'm, I'm going to like go run at somebody because it just it's just such a match made in heaven for those two guys. But they need something out of Josh Green this year. They need something out of Frank Nilakina probably because they don't have that third ball handler. They lose Jalen Brunson. You lose so much, uh, so many ball handler minutes that you had last year that Jalen Brunson was able to eat up. He was able to carry them in some games when Luca was having an off night or something like that. And so not having that, we asked Greg St. Jean, the assistant coach for the Mavericks on our, on lockdown Mavs a couple weeks ago. Okay. They don't really have a third ball handler. Is that something you guys are looking to try and add? Or do you think that you have that on the roster? And he goes, well, we have Josh green and we have, we have, uh, Frank Nilakina, we have Jaden Hardy. Like we really like the ball handler by committee situation. And also Luca and Dinwiddie will all, one of those guys will always be on the court at once. So there's opportunity. There's opportunity for, for a, a Jaden Hardy. If he really breaks out and really looks good as a ball handler for Josh green to have some playmaking opportunities, um, they're also, it seems like everyone's waiting on another move to be made after the Mitchell and Durant moves happen. But I, I'm, I'm looking at my watch, like we're still waiting on that. I I don't know whether I should give these questions to my guests in advance or people think that I already do because you've just perfectly segued into the next question, which is how much <laughs> how much staggering does Jason Kidd need to do? Because there are two guys who can dribble on this team and they're both going to start. And right. It's Dinwiddie and right. Doncic. So as you, like you just said, they're going to have to stagger them to play those full 48 minutes because honestly, like, can can anybody else dribble on this team? Like Frank can dribble a little bit, but uh, th- there's not really anybody else. You know who's probably the third best ball handler on this team is Theo Pinson. <laughs> well, okay, okay, I wasn't going to bring up there. Why is Theo Pinson? I mean, why is he on this team? Why did they resign oh, him again? What is going on with him? What is the story? One one of the biggest reasons I will I will die on this hill. And yes, it's maybe because he's come on the podcast twice, and he's an incredible human that you just love to talk to. <laughs> that but must be it. I will die on this hill that. One of the biggest reasons why this team had such a big second half push was their chemistry. Their chemistry was pretty good in the bubble, but they still had this weird, like, I don't know, Latvian cloud hanging over them. Let's put it that way. And when he got traded and then Theo Pinson came on during COVID, they they added him as a hardship player. Their chemistry just completely changed. They had guys standing up on the bench. Like they just changed the rules for the, for the Mavericks because of how much their bench was standing, getting involved and just, uh, encouraging and, and like, I guess, getting excited about this team. And Theo Pinson is basically a culture signing. And I'm totally fine with it because they had that in Boban before. And then they had Boban and Theo Pinson. And now they just brought back Theo Pinson as a culture signing. I think he can still play. Uh, he started the, the more than a hype man movement on our on our podcast. And so I hope he can get some time. But uh, he really is there to be like the cheerleader on the bench, another coach on the bench and all that. Yeah, he does seem like an absolutely ripper bloke from everything you see with the way that he sort of goes about that work on the bench and people seem to love him because honestly, like you're not prioritizing bringing him back if it's for just pure on-court basketball stuff. But hey, other stuff's important as, uh, as well. Shout out to Udonis Haslam. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. 
That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, yeah. Let's go to the next question that I've got, which I need to bring up. Here it is. All right, here's a question for you. Will the offense or the defense be better for this team this season? I think you got to look at the defense first, bringing in JaVale McGee, having a, you know, at least one big defensive center that they didn't have before. Um, do you know that, that Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock nicknamed themselves the Bang Bros? I do that. Do that. I hope they don't have a bus. No, they did. did. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith named them that during exit interviews, and so we've been calling we've been calling them the Bang Bros. And uh, those guys are going to start together. They've been incredible defensively. They have they have a full playoff run and a full season um, under their belt, and they're just going to start off the season really well. And uh, and yeah, you lose a little bit of offense. You get some of that with Tim Hardaway and Christian Wood coming in, but I still think the defense will be better. Last season they were fifteenth in offense and sixth in defense. So yeah, the Wood. Part will increase the offense, um, but you're right. I, th- I think it will be the defense. Who is a breakout candidate on this team, if there even is one? Yeah, it's tough. You got a bunch of guys you kind of know what they are at this point. Um, the guys that can break out, like I think Spencer Dinwiddie can have a really big season if he goes back to you know the amount of usage that he had in Brooklyn that one year when he was like a pseudo all star. Maybe he can be a breakout, but that wouldn't seem like a breakout for a lot of people unless he's like you know an all star. Then you're like, oh, he broke out. Um, Josh Green is going to have his yeah, opportunity to, to try and break out and be that guy. Um, Frank Nilakina, we're in like year five for him. And so I don't know if that's a possibility that he's going to get an opportunity. And then, um, and yeah, after that, it's like Luca can't break out any more than he already is. And Jaden Hardy, I don't think he's ready yet. On that, what can Luca improve? Because people will, Luca- people will love it for fantasy because he gets drafted super high and people who play category leagues just completely denounce him at that area. And I'm not as off on that. But like, it doesn't. It's not going to take for him to be a top two or three fantasy player. It doesn't take much, and it really just is be a little bit more efficient. Like, is that possible? Yeah, the efficiency for sure. That's definitely something we're going to talk about. He did not finish at the rim well last year uh, compared to some of his other years. Like that was an elite, elite skill that he had his second and third year in the league that he just didn't do as well last year. You look at his two-point percentage numbers and they just fell off a little bit last year. Part of it is him coming out of coming into the season out of shape. If he comes into the season in shape, like it looks like he is, like his trainer said that he is, then, uh, then maybe that improves his, the finishing at the rim. And then all of a sudden then – he takes that, you know, 28 points a game to easily 30 points a game or even higher than that. And then, you know, the assist rate goes up because he's able to kick out because his threat at the rim is even better. And so there's there's little things like that that he can improve. The free throw percentage has always been sort of a thing he needs to improve. He takes after LeBron with that, I think, with his, his free throw percentage. But uh, those are just little things I think he can improve. And then defensively, it's going to be the big thing. I mean, we saw in the playoffs, there was just a couple of big wake-up calls for him. 
defensively to improve. Uh, I don't know if he's going to improve a lot in steals and in categories like defensive fantasy categories, but uh, on the court, he's got to improve there too. His steals were okay last year. He averaged 1.2 per game. It's not horrendous. And people talk about his free throws like he's Andre Drummond. Like he hit 74 and a half percent. It's not great. Like it's not awesome. Like average is 77, but it's marginally under. So it doesn't, it doesn't take much to go from 74 to 78. That is not a huge ask. You're not asking Shaq to hit 100% of his free throws. Like That's not what we're talking about here. There is a real possibility. If that pushes from 74 and a half to 75 and a half, again, that's nothing. That has a huge impact in these overall fantasy values. So people will just completely write it off. Oh, he's never going to get there efficiency-wise. It does not take very much at all for him to become actually totally respectable in those areas. What about a regression candidate? Ooh, that's, is the team, can the team regress? <laughs> well, that's, hey, that's the next question that's coming up. Don't worry. A little bit. Um, I, Dwight Powell's regressing yeah. all the way to like the third, fourth string center, possibly like that. That's definitely a guy. Um, we saw Maxi Kleba and Reggie Bullock shoot an insane percentage of second half of the year. And they'll probably cool off from that a little bit, but they started the year so bad that it just ended up being a fine season for them. Dorian Finney-Smith maybe shoots a little bit worse than he, than he did last year. That He just shot the ball so well through basically the whole season. Um, and then after that, like, I don't know if anybody else can regress. Can regress. Like this, this answer would easily be Jalen Brunson if he was still on the team, but he's yeah. just not. Yeah, look, it, it is hard to find. It, Dwight Powell probably is because the minutes dropped down. But yeah, Bullock shot like about 10% from three, I think, for the first two months of the season and then yeah, <laughs> fired up. He ended up 36% because he couldn't do anything for the first couple of months of the year. So that's it is hard to find that exact regression candidate. But that brings me to that question. Is this team better than last season? I don't think they're be- I don't think they're better than last season, but I hope that they will. That they should come into the season knowing what they are more than they did last season. So like... If, the, if you gave them a 2K rating, their rating is probably the same as it was at the end of last season. But their season should be better this year because they struggled so much with COVID at the beginning of the season. The Porzingis trade happened. They figured out what they were. They figured out their identity, their defense, all that stuff. New coach came in, new new um, principles that he had to implement and all that. And they figured it out for sure by the end of the season. They started the season 16 and 18 last year. I don't think they're going to start that at the beginning of, of this season unless there's some something catastrophic that happens to Luca or – a bunch of these guys just don't show things that they've showed in the past and I guess can happen, but uh, so they should have a better record than last year, I think, but um, they're, they're just as good of a team as they were last year. I think just about, it's just a different team. Like it's Brunson out. It's, yeah. it's Wood in really like that's you know, right. scoring big man, spacing big man versus ball handling guard. So it's, you take the one thing away, you add another thing. It would have been great to have them both, but you sort of end up probably neutral there. Who's the most likely player to be traded on this team? They are shopping Tim Hardaway Jr. right now. That's that's not a secret, okay. I don't think. He is a guy that uh, could probably be traded. I think there's a sneaky like Dwight Powell for like Patrick Beverly move that can be made if you want to send a pick or anything like that. Like he's an expiring contract that could be pretty easily moved. So I think it'd be those two guys. Uh, yeah, I can see both of those things being completely reasonable. I don't really see anyone else who's yeah highly up there in terms of being moved. Now I've got some fun quiz. I'm well, not they're fun, but they're quiz questions anyway. Nick. 
Um, over at Basketball Index, they have multiple grades. As people who listen to this show would know me talking about it before. So there's three grades mm. here that I want to ask you about. Three-point shooting talent. It's not about who had the highest percentage. It's about difficulty of shots, volume of shots, um, yeah, importance of shots, self-created shots, all that sort of stuff. There's playmaking talent, not just about assists, who's getting guys open through volume, through difficulty of passes, through location of passes, like are you setting them up for mid-ranges or for shots at the rim? And then there's finishing talent, which is, again, it's not just if you getting offensive rebounds and putting back like how do you get into the rim on drives and finishing there so based on the numbers from last season who is the best player that graded out with the highest three-point shooting talent on this team taking all that it's not just straight percentage it's difficulty of shots self-creation all that stuff interesting uh with all those things you said i want to say i want to say luca but it's probably dinwiddie small sample size and he shot really really well uh in the time that he did you should have said Luca because it is Luca because ah. of the the difficulty of those shots. It's not just about percentage, really. Like, and did we can be a better shooter, but if if the game's on the line, think about this: though, the, the game's on the line, right? Who do you want taking the the three? Like, it's 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 Luca, really, like because he can get it off in so many different ways. He can set up others and, and just have that weight and gravity there. So, let's go. Who's the best playmaker? You, you don't get this one wrong. Who's the best playmaker on this team? Is this going to be like answering Jesus in Sunday school class? Like, <laughs> pretty much. Yep. Luca. All right. And just for something different, who's the best uh, finisher on this team? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, after I just talked about how Luca wasn't as good at finishing last year, but it's probably Luca again. It is Luca. The first, uh, <laughs> the first clean sweep out of all these quiz questions. Now, those ones were sort of easy. This next one's not. And if you get this, Nick, I'm going to hail you as the god of Dallas Mavericks content. I already do anyway, but it's going to be more official mm. if you get this question mm. right. Luka Doncic has played exactly one game with one player in his career. There's only one player in his whole career that he's only played one game with. So it's someone he's played exactly one game just, with. Just one game he's with. Played... Do I have enough time to go to, to, go to stat head? No, no, you've got to go straight. Who, who, is, <laughs> who is the one player that he has played one game with in his NBA career? Oh, he played... Oh, there's one player. He played one game. There's one guy that had scored one, one exactly one point, and it was like the only... It's the only player that scored one point. But I don't know. I'll throw out... Uh, I'll throw out Isaiah Thomas. It is... Ray Spaulding. Oh, Ray Spaulding's uh, brother texts Isaac his highlights. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't wow. Know. I don't know if I should share that, but Isaac's <laughs> not on here. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Big, uh, big. When he when he was on the Mavs. Friend friend of the podcast, Ray Spaulding's brother. Um, <laughs> didn't didn't I, I didn't know you'd have a Ray Spaulding anecdote for me, but here we are. That's why you are the king. You are, um, you're the king anyway now of Mavericks content, Ray Nick. Spaulding. Tell us, um, people can follow you, of course, at Nick Van Exit on Twitter, but what's going on over at Locked On Mavs at the moment? Oh, yeah. We're having fun through the offseason, staying five days a week. We're doing What If Wednesdays. We're doing uh, all kinds of different ones where we talk about, like, what if Luca came in 100% in shape? We do some past ones, like what if the Porzingis trade had never happened? We're doing a bunch of stuff like that, fun stuff on Wednesdays. And then uh, the rest of the week, good content. Go check it out. Oh. Oh, I got. <laughs> yep. Go just check out Locked On Mavs. There's a bunch of stuff there, YouTube and all the normal places that you get podcasts. Nick, thanks for coming on and uh, discussing the, the Mavs. Thanks for not firing me after this show and uh, you know, <laughs> not, not tripping you up with difficult trivia questions. 
Oh, thanks for not leaving the network after I told you you can't curse anymore. Mate, it was close. It was it was it was a really 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 close run at things there. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll drop a couple of sneaky ones in. Nah, nah, I'm gonna be on my best behavior. Nick, thank you for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Anytime. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. We're going to be doing some more team previews in the coming days. Chicago's coming up. Minnesota is coming up. Sacramento is coming up. Order to be determined, but check those out when they're there. And the best way to do that is follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.